you. I am Sarah Vine and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mail Plus. I am joined this week and every week by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones. Coming up on today's show. The war in Ukraine has led to millions fleeing, leaving behind their country, their home and all their possessions. We will be speaking to one of the founders of a brilliant organisation which aims to care for the children who have been caught in the middle of the conflict. And in an interview with American television, Prince Harry has said he considers America his home, has refused to say he misses either his father or his brother, <laughs> and that despite... Stop laughing, Imogen. And that despite failing to attend Prince Philip's memorial, he is making sure the Queen is protected. We, yes. <laughs> well done, Harry. Mm. We'll be talking to the Royal Editor of the Evening Standard, Robert Johnson, about what the Prince meant. I don't think anyone really knows. No, not really, no. Least um, of all him, I imagine. And last but not least, we're going to talk to beauty columnist Hannah Betts, who has been to Paris. Oh, nice. But first, Imogen, how has you, uh, we've had two weeks off and now we're back. Uh, yes. Oh, you've been away. Did you, you go to Istanbul? I, I did. I went to Istanbul. Yes, that was beautiful. Very beautiful. Very um, I went to Cornwall. Well, <laughs> quite similar. <laughs> Now I've put my back out in a changing room. Oh, dear. No, I, us all I fell over trying to put some jeans on. I can't actually get into those changing rooms these days. I, They're built for very small people. I, I don't know what's going on. It's a disaster. So anyway, I'm walking like a very old lady. <sighs> um, no, I'm interested in, um, obviously, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp and Amber, mm. I have to say, it has been slightly... I, I think it's it's fascinating. You're Team Depp, aren't you? I'm Team Depp, mm. yes. I'm sorry. I just don't understand why they just can't sit down and have, have a I, glass of wine and talk it through like normal people. Like normal people. There's, and also there's millions of pounds being thrown I, backwards I mean, and forwards for no reason. Million, 50 million. 50 million he, quid. And he's seeing her for 50 million and she's seeing him for 75. A hundred. I mean, it's so just mad. insane. Yeah. And they're both obviously quite sort of traumatised difficult people mm. I mean, anyway but it yes just, it I was, seems I was, so he bizarre was, he was um, doing he did a little speech saying how um, his mother used to beat him yes it was, all, it was quite touching actually I know I know but also well, they're putting literally every single sort of soiled gusset they can find in their wardrobe but I for everyone to have a look at I mean it's just things like what are you crazy. doing and also I think it's generational because he's basically a Gen Xer and she's a millennial mm. And, you know, they're different species, really, aren't they? Yes, it's just, yes, anyway, it's a, it's certainly a show, isn't it? But actually, talking of millennials, um, mm. Prince Harry yes. is the most annoying millennial he is, of the he week. Is. It is the Queen's birthday it today. It is the Queen's birthday today. Happy birthday, Your Majesty. Yes, or Slava the Queen. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and that brilliant photograph that the palace have released of her, which is so Game of Thrones, mm. it's the Queen dressed in black in a sort of odd black cape mm. which makes her look a, a bit frightening mm. with white hair flanked by two white horses matching ponies um, yeah standing in front of a massive white magnolia i mean she does look kind of terrifying and majestic yeah she's clearly on time. a mission to go somewhere i know okay. i know well apparently this whole prince harry thing it would, so he gives an interview on the same day as his grandmother's he's, birthday he's mad have you heard the quote i wrote it down because it's so awful about him on fatherhood which said the chaos the learnings whatever they are the rem <laughs> the the reminders of every element of yourself your soul right Yes, because obviously being a parent is all about him. Mm. It's not about the children at all. What are learnings? I have no idea what learnings are. What A learning. What is a learning? <laughs> Maybe he means leanings. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, what? <laughs> but also he, kept, he keeps going on about the cheekiness. The children have inherited 
the cheekiness. The cheeky, what is it? Like, his know. trademark His cheekiness. trademark is his cheekiness. Mm. A, yes. Anyway, he's just... He just sounds like a boring gap year student. Well, That's what come back from a, California. Exactly. That's what I think he and sounds like. And the problem like. he's got is that he's decided to leave the royal family because they're all beastly and ghastly. But the only way he has of making any money is being in the royal family. Mm. So he's sort of stuffed, really. And also, can we just say, Megan's wardrobe at the Invictus Games, £38,000 apparently it cost. Anyway, leaving aside Harry, the humanitarian crisis that the war in Ukraine has triggered is being felt across the world. Refugees are having to drop everything to escape the conflict, and sometimes that means families arriving at new homes with nothing but the clothes on their backs. One person who has made it their mission to help is graphic designer Annelies Borgen-Rizzo, who lives in Turin, Italy. Annelies is one of the founders of the Four Day Box, a grassroots organisation that is helping refugees arriving in Italy. And she joins me now. Ciao, Annelies. Ciao. <laughs> Ciao. Um, I wanted to talk to you because, well, my mother's been helping you, mm. Rosemary, and I've been following you on Instagram. And I just think it's such a brilliant idea Tell us what you do and how you ended up doing it. All right. It. So we are making boxes for the people arriving, for the kids arriving mostly, that are called the four-day box because it's simply a box packed the same way you would pack a suitcase for a long weekend, and, which is also the same as a laundry cycle, you know, mom thinking. And it simply started out, because a friend had someone she knows had her daughter and granddaughters arriving and she had said hey I can't come in to work today I gotta go shopping for my grandkids that are coming without anything and my friend said hey hold on don't spend your money just yet I have someone that could help and that someone was me I sent out a WhatsApp message to my friends and within 15 minutes I had enough clothing for at least four of each of the two ages of the girls. And shortly thereafter, the consulate, the Ukrainian consulate called me and said, hey, can you do something? We have a bus coming in four days and it's full of children and they have nothing. Oh, okay. Well, I'd seen the mountains and craziness that uh, usually happens when people donate. And I thought to myself that that coming and being a traumatized mother with traumatized children, having nothing and then having to, you know, go through these piles and what do you really need and all of these things. So we decided to then do the thinking for them. I called the consulate back when I'd uh, organized myself a bit, said, hey, we can pack these boxes. They're organized by age. They will have everything that's needed in them. And that's what we can do. I sent out a WhatsApp message again mm. after a local women's uh, support and sh organization and shelter uh, had promised me I could borrow their uh, location for two days, the two following days. And I sent out the call for donations. And 800 boxes and 49 days later, we are still here, having expanded. That's Amazing. massive. But you go from, no, from zero to 800, Amazing. 800 boxes. Amazing. 800 children. Amazing. Yeah. How, yeah. how big are the boxes? And, and what have you actually got inside them? Okay, so the boxes are the same as the movers use for books. They're handy sizes, about 35 centimeters by 40 by maybe 50. Varies a bit. Um, and inside is then, so most important is knickers, 
and socks mm-hmm. and, you know, toiletries. And then there are trousers and sweaters and T-shirts, pajama if we have, and the jacket. Uh, the little kids get shoes um, because you can sort of guess that by age. And then, you know, diapers and whatever is sort of needed that you would put in the suitcase when you're going for a weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Italy has quite a large Ukrainian population anyway, doesn't it? Yes. And And I mean, how many people are you expecting? How many refugees are you expecting? They were at one point saying one million. But I think that the Ukrainians are really strong people. That's what we're getting here, that we're hearing the stories. They just want to go home as soon as possible. And a lot of people aren't leaving. They're, They're going away from the active war, but then they're going as short as possible. And is it mostly women and children that you're getting? Yes, absolutely. Mostly women and children and quite a few orphanages. Oh, right. Oh, that's dear. Sad. Gosh. Yeah. And have you noticed that the difference in the how traumatised they are over the the length of the war that's been going on? I presume right at the beginning they came up quite quickly and now I presume you're seeing a much more different type of um, situation. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, in the beginning, people were sort of coming out on a plane Quite a few had return tickets, and now it's more more and more desperate. We're seeing that they have less and less things with them. At this point, it's pretty much, you know, the clothes on their back and documents. And um, their facial expressions and stories are worse and worse. Mm. And and who are they staying with? Are they staying with families or are they staying with their own families? Because quite, presumably quite a lot of them have already got relatives in Italy. Yes, a lot are staying with their families. There are some structures, the deployment of people opening their homes through the government is very, very slow. Uh, but apparently that is happening, sort of being launched now. Yeah, we've had that problem over here yes, as well. Yeah. I, mean, the, I mean, it's been ridiculous. I mean, they've been all the local authorities have been asking for things like, you know, get gas safety certificates on mm. people's houses, and they've just been throwing up a lot of barriers to people actually being able to move in. Yeah. I mean, and what are you finding? I mean, what is it that the refugees really want? And when mm. they get there, what's their sort of priority? What would you say was their greatest need, really? Well, first of all, I'm guessing, you know, clean underwear is a big one, but just the peace of mind mm, of knowing bet, that they yeah. don't have to spend the money on this, that's really big because they don't know where the next, you know, they've left their jobs. They're not getting paid. Uh, where is the support money coming from? So being able to focus this on sort of food and that kind of thing, transport, then that helps a yeah. lot. Absolutely. And how can we help over here? How can, what can we do for you? Well, we have an Amazon wish list where you can send us stuff because that's part oh. of our, our deal is that we don't take monetary donations because that keeps us all the way out of mm-hmm. bureaucracy. That's why we've been able to launch this in 49 days. And mm-hmm. also, uh, if Nike or Puma or any other shoe producers are listening, <laughs> they can send us shoes. We really need mm-hmm. summer shoes because now shoes are, yes. Summer shoes. Okay. Summer shoes. And, also, and can we buy the summer shoes on your Amazon list? Yes. If you go to our website, thefourdaybox.com, four with a number four mm-hmm. not spelled out, 
Uh, there's a link directly there yeah. to our Amazon wish list where all the things we really want are right there for you to buy and have shipped automatically to our place. And obviously, mm-hmm. this project also translates into other needs, uh, whether it's locally, we've helped local organizations too, as well with local women that are impoverished, difficult situation, have gotten newborn boxes. And we do have a manual if people want to do uh, their own uh, four-day box uh, production where they are living. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It does attest to the power of the WhatsApp group. It does. A much derided mode of communication. Yes, I know, the WhatsApp group. How many people are on your WhatsApp group? Well, I've collected about 130 international moms. I'm sort of, oh, you're international and Mm. everybody can add to the group because... You know, if you need an English-speaking doctor in Turin, there's other people that have been in the same situation and you can ask for help. And then also, you know, we meet for coffee and play groups and things like that. Yes. Great. <laughs> yes, the, all power to the WhatsApp. Yes. <laughs> anyway, well, thank yep. you so much. Thank you so much for talking to us. And, you know, thank you for what you're doing. Thank and, you. Uh, long may it continue. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. You're listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards-Jones. You can visit maleplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces, and more. And if you want to get in touch, you can tweet us at maleplus, me at Westminster Wag, or Imogen at Imogen EJ. Today, as we record, it is the Queen's 96th birthday. Happy birthday, Your Majesty. But some are saying that it's being overshadowed. What a surprise. (laughs) Prince Harry. Oh, yay. He's been giving interviews again. Anyway, joining us now to talk about it is Robert Thompson, Royal Editor of the Evening Standard, who is, I believe, at Buckingham Palace, so please do excuse the noise. Hello, Robert. Hello. So he's done a wonderful clangor, hasn't he? Apparently he's gone to see the Queen, said to make sure she's surrounded by the right sort of people. I him. him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I must admit, I thought it was a crazy, a bit of a crazy interview, to be honest. I didn't quite understand what he was getting at. Um, you know, he's been away all this time. What is he trying to suggest? Um, that the people at Prince Charles have been stepping up to the plate aren't doing the job, or the people around at the palace courtiers, or even security. I know it's number 10 got involved, so no, she's perfectly well protected. So... I don't know. I mean, maybe the TV journalists should have asked him what on earth he was talking about. Oh, I think it's just one of those stupid, ridiculous sort of, you know, therapy speaks, mm. isn't it? Are you surrounded by the right people? people? Yeah. I mean, he's just talking nonsense. I just think every time he opens his mouth, it just gets worse, doesn't it? And it's her, ber- it's her birthday, birthday, not mm. his birthday. Mm. I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? It's this constant turning the spotlight on himself the whole time. <laughs> He can't help himself. I mean, you know, but if you've got Netflix crew, you know, in tow, that you're trying to sell yourself to the highest bidder, you've got to keep your attention uh, on you. You've got to make sure that you're relevant to what's being discussed and you're right at the heart of things. Otherwise, your currency goes down. And sadly, this exactly. is about currency. How furious is everybody? What's the reaction from the palace, as it were? Because you have your ear to the ground. How right royally cross are they? <laughs> Well, I think they've, they've seen it all before. And, you know, it's a sort of raised eyebrow that rather than going ballistic, there's no point in going ballistic. The r- reality is he's going to carry on doing what he wants to do. And whilst they, you know, whilst they let him in and he's a member of the family, which the Queen has said he'll always be a lo- beloved member of the family, but this is going to keep happening. Um, I thought the interview was very awkward. Um, he seemed to not, I, I'm not convinced that 
you know, he was doing a snob to his father and brother. I think he's basically been on a three-night whip, but he's not allowed to talk about them. So when he was asked about them directly, he didn't have the... the Why is he not allowed to talk about them? Well, if they're going to meet him, or if, if he's going to have a meeting with his, as he did with his father or his brother, they don't want this then discussed in public. It's like, you know, you're having a rapprochement with your family, and then the next thing you discuss it over the fence with your next-door neighbour. And it's, you know, it just seems to be that there's no discretion or trust, and I think that's fair enough. That the Prince of Wales would not want, you know, wouldn't want that discussed in public. He doesn't really appear to be engaging his brain before he speaks, though. No, not really. The, and also the language that he's using is sort of very weird. He's like some sort of gapyar student who's come back from California with some Californian speaking. Do you know what I mean? It's like he's come back with all the sort of all the gear and no idea. Yeah. The idea that you know he's trying to spread some sort of faith, but it's incoherent. Basically, what, what are you, you saying? And also, what do you think about this r- rumor that was sort of around at the beginning of the week about him and Meghan going to the standing on the balcony where does that come from I mean it's been very it's been very strenuously denied yeah, very, it's very much speculative I mean nobody was in the room with either the Queen yeah. or the Prince of Wales when they had those meetings nobody at all no courtiers no no servants nobody so they won't know what was discussed and that's one of them is talking and clearly the Prince of Wales or the Queen are on talking so I, I think it was you know takes you on in, you know, it was a bit of a guesswork, really. I don't think that there's any invitation to go on the balcony, because if that's the case, then we'd be rather full up. I think it's going to be quite limited on the balcony, actually, and reduced, as it has. It was um, a few years ago when the Queen only had a few people on there. Yes, I mean, I think if the Queen had her way, she'd just be her and the horses and the corgis on the balcony. <laughs> I mean, frankly... trust them. <laughs> if I were her, that would be my policy. And how's, how's the milking of the Invictus Games gone down, the idea that it was the Harry and Meghan show? Well, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i slightly torn on this because I think the Invictus Games has been a, a great success. And it's been a great success largely, not only because of him, because, of course, he borrowed it from the Warrior Games, but because of the money that's been put in by governments from their defence budgets when they're dealing with, um, you know, when it comes up every couple of years. So that's been a great success. But, you know, will it continue with him not really being a full-time member of the Royal Family? I think it's only been, it's only really been able to get that sort of money because of the influence of, really, of the Queen, I would have thought, rather than Harry. But it's been great for those guys and girls that are involved in, you know, rebuilding their lives after dedicating themselves to, to service. So it's a difficult one to criticise, but, you know, he shouldn't really be combining the two. This is the big problem with Harry, that he's combining things that really were uh, royal duty uh, to get money. Well, this is the thing, because he can't disassociate himself because he needs to have the status in order for him to be marketable. Ultimately, you know, what it boils down to is that he's effectively selling his royal mm. connections. Well, he's got nothing else to sell. I mean, other than yeah. sort of a trip to Whole Foods. Yeah. I mean, what else is he doing with his day? I mean, seriously. <laughs> well, also, the, the fact is, with, with all of this stuff, that's exactly what the Queen and everyone was advising him. But he was taking the advice of his wife, who, you know, he's an actress, and she's, her, her face is her money. You know, that's the bottom line. And they've taken this decision, and they couldn't come over to seem to have the capacity to understand why you can't because if you do then you know, the monarchy is an unelected institution institution that's part of our constitutional system but the, the reality is if you start selling out and people start selling out as we've seen in the past it damages the institution itself yeah 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 anyway i, I just can't bear the fact that it, it's always endlessly about him i mm. mean it's just the sort of con i mean why did he even have to give an interview yeah, exactly no to do that yeah. and he must have known that it would clash with the queen's birthday i mean you know they did the oprah interview when the duke of edinburgh was very very ill mm. 
they just seem to have no well, who's self-knowledge. Who's a, well, no, I mean, whoever's advising them is not doing a very good job, Who I is would advising say. them mm. now, Robert? Haven't they just taken on someone new? I, I think the advice has always been in their neck, but the bottom line is the principals make decisions. They're grown adults, all of them, you know, both the members of the royal family and... And Liam and Johnny and Harry and Megan, but they make their own decisions here. The advisors can tell them to blue in the face if that's a good idea, but if you're going to do it, they're going to do it. So, what are you doing at Buckingham Palace today? Is there something going on apart from the Queen's birthday? He's not sort of parading. I've got, I work along, sort of the standard. I work with Good Morning America, so I'm, I'm addressing the great American public, which is going to be quite, you know, they have a different, slightly different take on things, but they're not as. Um, woke friendly as you think and they're not really? I don't believe as they're not as committed to the, the Harry and Meghan Roadshow as others would think you know a lot of people are jumping on there they don't, I don't think so not, not, not the general public but I mean there are groups very loud groups they do swallow it yeah well we'll have to see what happens on June the 2nd I think that's when the big Buckingham Palace bonanza is thank you very much Robert always a pleasure Paris mm. <clears throat> Is one of the most stylish cities in the world. Is it apparently? Now? <laughs> That's what it says here, anyway. Um, and it is home to some of the world's biggest fashion houses and also sets beauty standards around the globe. I don't mm. write this, by the way. No, gosh, no. Yeah. So, anyway, what can we Brits learn from France's capital city about beauty? Here to talk to us about Les Francaises mm. is columnist Hannah Betts. Hannah, how are you? I hear you've been on holiday to Paris. Imogen, by the way, is wearing a striped top. Oh, I know. Bonjour oh, baguette. Bonjour. Bonjour baguette. Does she, have a, does she have a string of onions around her neck Almost. as well? I've got a jaunty beret. <laughs> She's got a jaunty beret. Um, well, I have become, I have transformed for you into a walking mouffoy. I am so fabulously fat. I look, mm. I mean, it's the French it's revenge. worth it, though. Are you a boule de suif? A boule de suif. Oh, <laughs> I'm a boule of every sort. Oh, how delicious. Um, so what can what well, can we learn from the French? Because they can't learn anything from us. Because basically, we're Les Ross beefs. Well, <laughs> I Beefy don't beefs. know about that. I've I've been on my holly bobs. Hence, mm. lovely Inga standing in for me, the beauteous Inga. And I was there in the week before Easter. At first, I was sort of cowed into fear in the way that all of us always are when we arrive there, and and we feel like sort of on a hen weekend, covered in makeup. And they are so chic and sort of unpolished in a polished way and all this sort of stuff. And so I immediately toned down my trademark psycho blusher and got a sort of neutral lip and cheek tint and all this sort of stuff. And then after three days, I just thought, God, how boring. I would rather be me. I'd rather be circus face. Mm. It's all too tasteful, isn't it? And it's and it was snowing and very windy. The thing that I find distressing <laughs> about France, especially Paris, is that you go there and then you you deploy your best French, mm. and they go, "Quoi? Oh yes, if they can't <laughs> yeah. understand oh, no, worse. you." For me, they go, "I'm sorry, Miss or Madam." Now, increasingly, although actually, my boyfriend lived in France for nine years, I so he, can do he speaks very good French. They always ask him what department he's from. <laughs> So, uh, no, I, I get some of that rubbing off. So it was nice. He got to show me his Paris. I got to show him mine. Mine is the Bristol Hotel. I make no, you know, I have no qualms about that. It's the nicest place on earth. So what and you're actually, saying is, that, is lo- that they're all far too tasteful for us and actually we can learn well, nothing from the French. it works when you're very beautiful. Right. So my or friend thin. Julia at the Bristol is so beautiful and her subtle... You know, it's not quite happening. A really good example, actually, is on the original 10%. You know, Call My Agent. 
it's about to become British and we'll be able, we'll see whether we can pull it off. But on the original one, the beautiful lesbian character hears that the girl she fancies is coming over and she spends that time doing tiny little things that no one would see as makeup, but, you know, little toners and little under eye this and skin preps and she muscles up her, you know, misses up her hair and it's all perfect but imperfect. Yes. And it's that sort of thing, isn't it? And I think it works when you're 20 and gorgeous and possibly a model or an it girl. But if I did it, I'd look suicidal. But the only thing is, Hannah, the sort of the ultimate French sort of sexy icon is Jane Birkin. And she is actually English. So (laughs) we win, right? We win. And her daughters who've carried on that. I mean, that's, I mean, it is true. Everyone thinks of Jane Birkin. She looks so cool. She's actually English. So that's sort of undone. Done, done, mm. sort of slightly. I'm smoking a Gulliver's and I have very coffee breath and goofy teeth, and you know, and I'm wearing trousers that are too big or too small or whatever. That's English. I had a friend who lived in Paris and she's very English, mm. and she said that the school gate was an absolute horror. Oh show my god, I bet, yes, because it was just you know, you felt like you were basically Humpty Dumpty turning up at the school, day, <laughs> school <laughs> gate with Claudia Schiffer and all of her. Super- for model mm. friends and it was just it's just they all just I mean apparently they just all look perfect mm. even at quarter to eight in the morning of course they do well actually there's one woman who's interesting the woman who wrote the book that I stole the title of my column from mm. who obviously I owe big time she's a Chanel model called I'm just reaching for her book called Caroline de Magray she wrote a book called Older But Better But Older but better, but older, but better, but older. And she has had to sort of grow up with this look, and she does it very well. But I find it boring, and it was sad. And it was, you know, it was the end of winter. It was snowing. It was windy. You know, my skin was peeling off. Um, it was, but also I there's something a bit annoying about a country that basically sells us all the makeup. Mm. And then doesn't wear any of it themselves. Oh, quite. You go into Galerie Lafayette or whatever, Mm. and it's full of Chanel and Givenchy and these full face looks that no one would ever dream of doing apart from tourists or poor poor visiting Americans who you'd see walking around in their heels when everyone else, and miniskirts, when everyone else is wearing jeans, trainers, a very posh bag and an enormous coat. And a little ballet pump. And a little ballet, I hate a ballet (laughs) pump. Also, it's not true that the French women don't try. They spend an absolute fortune on themselves. hours. I mean, I'm I'm writing my column about this on Monday. And they spend hours trying to look undone. Yes, mm. exactly. That's and what they do. They they spend hours and hours and hours. Basically, they they do sort of weird things like they have sort of weird massages and cellulite. Um, They're yep. obsessed with cellulite. Cellulite. Heavy, heavy legs. legs, heavy legs, heavy legs. Yeah, yeah. But but also, Hannah, I do think that they did invent the, what that wonderful makeup range, bourgeois, which we, I, I do bourgeois. bourgeois. I do remember that being a revelation mm. when I went over as a teenager, thinking, oh "Well, my you know, it's God. basically Chanel, isn't it? I mean, yeah. can I say that? Yeah. It's mm. the same yeah. stuff in different packaging, yeah. mm. or it always was, and so you get that beautiful kind of pearlized." texture and those heavy exactly. pigments yeah but for 5.99 i still the makeup palette i always recommend the eye palette is a bourgeois one that i now found on amazon and i have never found a better eye palette and it's called le smoky or something and actually the there's, there's, an, an, <laughs> there's a neutral one that would look amazing on on you imo Ooh. but the smoky is the sort of 
black tie evening one and then mm. there's a neutral one and they have never been bettered and I think they're about eleven ninety nine on Amazon. It's sort of Caroline Reutfeldt who used to edit Vogue mm. in France. She's sort of the ultimate mm. French woman, isn't she, at the moment? Yeah. Yes, they also now, do now do a great pharmacy, by the mm. way. They do a great pharmacy, by the way, in France. Oh, yes, I love a French chemist. There's <laughs> yeah. nothing like a French chemist. Well, that's chemist. what I, I'll be writing about a few, few of those brands and actually this thing called Avenet Tolerance saved my face. My face was literally peeling off so much that so that even my boyfriend notices and obviously he never looks at me. No. And <laughs> this stuff stuck it back on again. And it was a, you What's know... What's it called? Avenue Tolerance? It's called Avenue Tolerance. And I've got it here. I've, we've used it all up between us. Can there's roast You can. You can it? get it in boots. It's 13 quid, I think. Oh. And there was there's <laughs> well, a cleanser as well. You know how Imogen well. and I and love to do a boots trip. We love the boots. Well, you've got to. The other thing I strongly recommend is Clorraine Dry Shampoo, Ooh. which I buy in bulk when I'm in France. It's so good. Sarah's it's taking one. notes. The dry shampoo with oat milk. But my other two Paris recommendations, so by the end of the week, I just thought, no, I'm not going to fit in anymore. I don't mind looking odd. And I, you know, I made some concessions in skin, but I did do the bright lipstick thing. And the new Byredo makeup range, ooh la la, um, <laughs> very, very nice. That was very and well done. The, and the poor, poor homosexual who is selling it. I mean, I said to him, presumably you only sell this very pale tan shade. And he said, yes. <laughs> you know, no one is buying any of the colour. But I bought a lipstick called China Plum, which is knockout. And I also bought something called Purple Stinger, which is a sort of crayon. And it's Oh, God, it's lovely. But I was the only person buying purple makeup in Paris. No, <laughs> quite, quite right, um, <laughs> I also finally got to grips with Zara's lipsticks. They're oh. rather lovely. They're yeah, new, aren't they? Um, but they're I've got perfumes. a very, very hot sort of Yves Saint Laurent pink called Ace, which we have to do not in a French but a Birmingham accent, please. Ice. And it is ice. And, you know, they're very cheap. They're refillable. I'm pretty obsessed with it, so I've been wearing have you a lot tried of their, Have well. you tried their perfumes, the ones done by Joe Malone? They're so oh, lovely. No, well, I, did not I actually, that. I put it on obsessed. the page just before I went away, um, and it's very up your street. It's a sort of leathery chypre. Yeah. I mean, they're incredible value, aren't but they? They're £15, and the one that I like is called Fashionably London. Oh, I say. They're all named after. Well, is it? They're And if you like a candle, mm. a candle, mm. which I do, mm. their candles are very, very good. I would say top notch French style quality, okay. 15 quid. So we're going to Boots, then Zara. Zara. Okay, yeah. done. Yeah, Zara. And, and also, Great. I mean, I think it's better to find the one you like and buy them online. And personally, yes, I, I like all the ones that are called things like Dubai, you yes. know, because they're a bit leathery and sometimes yeah. they, oh, oh here we are here's the one I bought Leather Jardin Leather Jardin and it's an eau de parfum <laughs> which is more potent and yes. this bottle is enormous no I know they're brilliant quid. they are really really good they're just not terribly you well it all over in then. your <laughs> local branch are they because you know teenagers have played with them yeah, teenagers have it, but they're done by Joe jo Malone. They're, it's a partnership with Joe And she is brilliant at that sort of thing. And they're very and they're, lovely. And, and I particularly notice when I put them in my, you know, list of five cents down the side of the page, that everyone else was giving you a thimbleful for 80 quid. 
And Ms. Malone, care of Zara, was giving you a sort of bucket load yeah, yeah. for nineteen ninety nine or whatever it was. They don't smell cheap and nasty. Mm. They smell really no. good. No, and actually, Leather Jardin, if there are any fans out there of the old Cabouchard by Grey, which I used to wear yes. a lot of, which is a sort of orangey leather sex on, on legs. It's amazing. Very French. Yeah. Then Leather Jardin will remind you of that. Mm. Thank you, Hannah, for all of that. And um, I'm going to go to, uh, again buy some of the Avenue Tolerance. Yeah, Avenue I'm going to get, Tolerance. I'm going yeah, to have do try the dry shampoo as well, mm. and um, and then a very bright lip. And you know, Bob's your uncle. We're all we're all frogs, aren't we now? The other thing that French ladies always have is they have the les marionnettes and the little lines above the lips because they all smoke so much. Oh. So that we so we do have one advantage in that respect. They also really quite like the dark lines under not lines but dark patches under your eyes they think that's sort of sophisticated and you've been up all night having sex and drinking mm. and smoking um so i tried to get more into mine i, I it didn't really work for me I, I i still felt like i looked like davros and the darlings <laughs> so i didn't stop concealing but um but they, they do think that's chic so you know possibly i should move there Yes, very good idea. Apart from the me... Birmingham French, eh, girl? <laughs> <laughs> that, that won't go down well. <laughs> that was Hannah Betts, the inimitable Hannah yes, Betts. Yes, Inimitable. Friend. Oui. Maybe. The très chic Hannah Betts. Chic. <laughs> if you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk, subscribe, slash subscribe, I should say, to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. And if you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus, me at Westminster Wag or Imogen at Imogen EJ. You have been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine and Imogen Edwards-Jones. Thank you for listening. <laughs>